Hello and welcome back to the Fitz News Week in Review. I'm your host, Dylan Nolan. This week we're finally going to be putting the partisan primaries in the rearview mirror. We're also going to be discussing Democratic gubernatorial nominee Joe Cunningham's difficulties in finding a lieutenant governor to run alongside him. And then we're going to draw some parallels between how that relates to what's happening on the national stage. Maybe we'll even pull out the Fitz News crystal ball, although the guy with the... Uh, Crystal Ballhead is still at the beach this week, so we'll see how that turns out. Once we get through politics, we got some Tiger King coverage for y'all. Now, you might be looking at the little calendar in the corner of your computer screen and saying, what, it's not 2020, why, why are you talking about that? Well, because Tiger King star Doc Annell was recently arrested and indicted on a number of charges. We're going to be talking about those. And then we are going to end the show... With the moment you've all been waiting for, yes, there have been new indictments in the Murdaugh murders crime and corruption saga, this time involving Cousin Eddie. And yes, Cousin Eddie does look like he could be a Tiger King, I might say star, maybe star might be a little generous. But we're going to tell you all about what he is charged with and the serious implications that this has for the future of the case. Let's get it going. All right, let's talk partisan primaries. Now, Fitz News is actively working to get both of the people who voted in the partisan primary elections in the studio. Now, I'm just messing with you. More than two people voted, but it was uh, not that much more than two people who voted. Turnout was especially low. That being said, let's talk winners and losers. Crystal Matthews, Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate, will be facing off against Tim Scott. Crystal Matthews had quite the week in the news. Right before the runoff election, Project Veritas, which is a national news outlet that has made a name for themselves in recent years for soliciting tapes of people, you know, sometimes they'll have somebody wear a wire basically and have a conversation with somebody under the pretext that they are not who they actually are, which is an undercover reporter. They've produced some really interesting tapes that way, or they'll have people who will leak them tapes of internal meetings at companies. They've had a lot of big tech executives put on the record by employees who have leaked information to them. Well, they came forward with a jailhouse phone call, something that Fitz News fans are well aware of, of Crystal Matthews, who was at that time a candidate for the Democratic nomination, discussing with an inmate who she later contested she didn't know was an inmate, um, financing her campaign with, quote, dope money and passing that money through other individuals who aren't associated with the drug dealer so that that money could be laundered. Now, Crystal Matthews has since come out and said that she wants the FEC to investigate her campaign, says that everything is above board. But I would like to give you all the opportunity to hear this call because it's pretty entertaining. Like, we literally, y'all, like, this is, this is how you, this is the only way you're going to change the the dynamics in South Carolina. You got to find some folks that are a little bit polished, maybe are not, you know, nobody really knows them that well. Maybe they haven't really been politically active. But we need some secret sleepers. Like, you need, we need them to run as the other side, even though they're for our side. And we need right, them to win. Right. Because mm -hmm. that's how, like, I mean, we can we can battle them in public all day. As long as we know we're working for the same goal, you know, I, I tell my right. colleagues up here all the time, I'm going to be that bitch every day of the week. 
got too many people that that ain't us, ain't out for us, and look okay. like us. I mean, but honestly, these ain't the same type of black people that I grew up around. I don't right. recognize these right, black men, right. so I don't black because I don't understand the type of black that they are. Now, can I talk intelligently? Can I? I could be listen. I can move in all kind of circles, but. I'm a nigga. I love black people. I feel safest around my people. So for me, I feel like y'all. We need sleepers, but we need a group of sleepers. We need some folks that ain't that. We need some folks that can wear all black at night and take their yard signs down when they when they sleeping. The same they do to us, just the other way. You know what I'm saying? We ain't gotta make a bunch of noise about it. We ain't gotta. We ain't gotta go live about it. Just don't say shit. Just like when somebody drop money and you pick it up. You pick that shit up and keep walking. And then when you get in there, when we get enough of us in there, we can rehab and have it for real from the inside out. Then we can flip some from the inside out. We gotta take back some of these seats, especially in these local elections. Um, you know, we need we need people to run as Republicans in these local elections. Um, and we need I mean, they family and they can't tell their family, you know, period. Because I can't trust right. family. Family, the first motherfucker turn on you. You can't yeah. tell them. So, yeah. you know, like, man, I didn't think he would ever be a Republican. You know, they're going to have to be able to listen. When I say they're going to have to be able to take some shit, I'm talking about at the dinner table, at Thanksgiving, when they on the Republican ticket and everybody at the table looking at them sideways, like, I can't believe y'all are trying to on <laughs> They got to be able to take that shit on their chin. Yeah. And I still got to struggle to raise money for my campaign. Where the fuck is my black people with money? I don't care about no dope money. Give me that dope boy money. Where the fuck is dope? Where the duffel bag boys? Get you find you somebody in your family that don't even know you donating to my campaign and put that shit under their name. That's the Democratic nominee for U.S. Senate. But I like her style because Crystal Matthews came out in front of the state house yesterday and pulled the big Uno reverse card. She apologized, said that she was sorry that she offended Democrats. But she pulled that Uno reverse card and said, I demand that Tim Scott apologize for not voting for Kentaji Brown Jackson for Supreme Court. We'll see how that plays out in November. All right, so the other runoff that people cared about was the state superintendent of education runoff between Kathy Manis and Ellen Weaver. Ellen Weaver ended up winning this runoff. And we've already talked about these candidates a million times, so I'm not going to run you through it again. But we will talk about this. Ellen Weaver has to earn a master's degree between now and getting sworn in, assuming that she beats Democratic nominee Lisa Ellis. Luckily for us, Ellen Weaver is burning the midnight oil, studying day and night to earn her online master's degree from Bob Jones University. Now, you might hear a little bit of a mocking tone in my voice, but don't get offended. I don't really care what degree she has or doesn't have or earned in seven months in questionable matter. I really just care that she improves educational outcomes for the students of South Carolina. Now, I think that Kathy Mattis probably would have been more of the same, and I'm willing to see what Ellen Weaver does here. Does that mean that I'm going to unconditionally support her? Certainly not. You can count on us here at Fitz News to hold her and her agency and the rest of the state of South Carolina accountable for bringing our standard of education up to par so that we can be competitive with other states in this nation and other states in our region 
and hopefully continue to draw in talented people from across the country and serve the people who already live here as they deserve to be served. But that is the update on that race. Uh, of course, Ellen Weaver is heavily favored to win. I think I said last week that the last time that a Democrat won a statewide elected position in South Carolina was like the Jurassic era, and that holds true now. Count on us to provide you with coverage until that election, but more importantly, count on us to provide you with coverage after that election to hold that office accountable and to see what they do and hopefully make some improvements to the way that we educate kids here in South Carolina. All right, now that we have education under our belts, let's talk about the gubernatorial race, specifically Democratic nominee Joe Cunningham. Now, Joe Cunningham is currently looking for a running mate. Now, folks inside of his campaign have said, as was reported by our founding editor, Will Folks, who is on the beach. I guess Will is floating around in the ocean, you know, typing away on his laptop. But people within Cunningham circles have told us that Cunningham has been looking for months to find a black woman to run with him because people within the Democratic Party here in South Carolina believe that that is necessary to win. The only problem is that they haven't found anybody. Now, of course, you might be saying, couldn't they just ask Democratic candidate Mia McLeod? She was just running. Well, there's a little bit of a problem in that there have been allegations made by McLeod herself that the South Carolina Democratic Party was not hosting debates and not talking about this election at all because they didn't want the electorate to know that there was a black woman running because then their anointed chosen candidate, Joe Cunningham, wouldn't win. Now, you might be noticing a little bit of discord there. They feel like they need to have a black woman on the ticket, but they didn't want to have a black woman at the front of the ticket. I know that's a little bit strange, but we can move past that. And look at how this strategy worked in 2020 for the Democratic Party. Now, if you don't remember, you're not as much of a news wonk as I was back then. Joe Biden was having a really rough time at the beginning of the primaries. It, it, didn't, it didn't look like he was going to win. And to sure up his support with the black vote, which is a very important thing if you're a Democrat trying to win a primary nomination for president, he promised that he would make his vice presidential nominee a woman of color. This turned out to be a pretty terrible idea, as is evidenced by the fact that Joe Biden is only getting older every day, and there have been calls over the last couple of weeks. You can see them in The Atlantic magazine. You can see them in The New York Times, both of which are definitely left-leaning publications for Joe Biden to not run again in 2024. And what is most notable is that nobody is seriously calling for Vice President Kamala Harris, the woman of color that Joe Biden eventually ended up picking, to be the 2024 Democratic nominee for president. Of course, her name comes up, but nobody is seriously saying that she should be the party's nominee. And yet, here in South Carolina, it seems as though that same tactic is being taken. Now, maybe it's because the party feels like there won't be enough black turnout otherwise. However, they don't really stand much of a chance, even if there is a lot of black turnout, because Henry McMaster has such a wide lead percentage-wise. But I think that this is a really questionable policy, both on the national level, because now the Democrats are scrambling to figure out who they're going to run in 2024 should Joe Biden not run, 
Maybe he falls off his bike another time, and that's one too many. And the Democrats in South Carolina are really having to dig through their Rolodex of potential lieutenant governor nominees, lieutenant governor candidates, when they could just be selecting who they think is the brightest star and trying to develop them so that the party has a brighter future. I think the party would be in a better place if they picked who they think would be their best future candidate is, regardless of their race, regardless of their sex. And I think that what we've seen play out on the national level is certainly evidence of that. But, you know, you can count on us here at Fitz News to continue to give you coverage in the coming months of who Joe Cunningham picks as his running mate. We'll see if he picks somebody who is a woman of color or if the party has to change their plans and pick somebody else because they can't find anybody. And we'll see what happens on the national stage in the coming years, whether Joe Biden runs again, and if he doesn't run again, who takes that place for the Democratic Party. All right, so another interesting piece of national news with ties to South Carolina is the fact that George Amos Tenney III out of Anderson, South Carolina, a 35-year-old man, has just pleaded guilty to two felony charges in association with his connection to the January 6th riots. Now, you might be thinking, what's up with this guy? Because, of course, everybody that was there on January 6th has a different story. There's, of course, the old January 6th Mima. If you've seen that picture, it's the old lady who looks like she does not know that she is present at one of the craziest moments of American history live on TV. In fact, if you look at the picture of her that, you know, circulates the Internet, I'm not sure that she knows that she's even on Earth. Mr. Tenney is, is not the January 6th Mima. He definitely knew that he was present both on Earth and at the Capitol. And this is evidence provided by prosecutors who have his text messages that show in the days leading up to the riot that he was talking about entering the Capitol should the certification of the election not go the way that he wanted it to go. And of course, the certification didn't go the way he wanted it to go. And he was one of the people who was fighting at the doors to the rotunda of the Capitol, uh, battling with police to try to let protesters in. And he had several scuffles with law enforcement officers, the Capitol Police, you know, federal employees, and eventually ended up holding the door open once they beat back the police to get a bunch of protesters or rioters or whatever, you know, you want to call them in the door. And he exited through a window. He faces 25 years in federal prison for his role in the riots. I mean, I don't have much to say about this guy other than just reporting the fact that he will be sentenced in October. He was arrested in late June pleaded guilty. That's the news. But here's the commentary. I'm pretty fearful that we have the right, who is largely reticent, to condemn what happened on January 6th and to condemn former President Donald Trump's role in that. Then we have the left, who is reticent to condemn the riots that happened throughout the summer of 2020. These riots caused at least $2 billion in damage to insured properties. Now, of course, that number is low because if you think about it, that's $2 billion of insurance claims. Does that count all the lost revenue? No. Does that count people being afraid to go to a certain part of the city and shop because they know that they might be victims of assault? No. And by the way, it's been reported that at least 18 people died in connection with those riots. So 
we have both sides of our political spectrum that are kind of just la 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 sticking their head in the sand when the more radical parts of their base are out committing violence. I'm not sure where that ends. Uh, you know, we like to say count on Fitz News to keep you informed about X, Y, or Z. Count on Fitz News to tell you about the Murdoch's continued criminal proceedings. I guess count on Fitz News to continue to report on whatever the heck comes next. And I'm not sure what that is, but we'll keep you apprised and hopefully we will contribute through having the open microphone policy to dialogues that can meaningfully contribute to making this country a better place in the future. But here's the news. This guy from Anderson will be sentenced in October. And we will continue to provide you with coverage and hopefully call out people both on the left and on the right who have been escalating the political climate towards a violent political climate for a number of years now. Now, uh, why don't we move on to some Tiger King news because that's a lot less dark. All right. On a lighter note, Doc Annell, one of the co-stars of Netflix's Tiger King, the series that we all watched in the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, and resident of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, has been arrested and charged with money laundering and wildlife trafficking charges alongside of four other co-conspirators. They're alleged to have taken money obtained from a illegal alien border crossing scheme, taken cash, and then used that cash to purchase illegal wild animals that they couldn't purchase with checks. Okay. Okay. I mean, you watch Tiger King, and that's pretty tame as far as uh, illegal behavior goes in that community, it seems. Alleged illegal behavior goes in that community, it seems. Doc Annell, when you watch that show, actually seems like one of the people who kind of has their shit together. Which is crazy, given what I just said 30 seconds ago and what he's been charged for. But the funny thing is that this isn't South Carolina's only tie to the Tiger King series. If you'll remember, not that long ago, Nancy Mace, the House representative for the 1st Congressional District here in South Carolina, was tweeting about hanging out with Carol Baskin, which is an interesting move because if you watch Tiger King, you know that Carol Baskin was the one that you were meant to hate. She was Joe Exotic's mortal enemy. And I don't know about you, but I remember spending watching that whole series thinking, man, when is the House of Cards going to collapse on Carol? When is Joe finally going to be able to prove that Carol is doing all the things that he alleged that she was doing regarding her husband. And of course, that never materialized. Now, maybe this is because we were just seeing the show through Joe's eyes, and we never got to really hear her side of the story. Or maybe she just knows who to pay, because she is hanging out with members of Congress. Who am I to say? But I can tell you that Wherever this ridiculous saga continues to go, we will let you know. We're going to keep you up to date on whether Doc Annell joins his friend Joe Exotic in spending a stint in the penitentiary. All right, so let's move on to somebody who's not from Tiger King, but looks like they could be. We're talking about Cousin Eddie here, who was allegedly Alex Murdaugh's right-hand man, a guy who was close friends with Alex, who Alex would go to when he needed to get things done. He allegedly would do some pretty dirty deeds for Alex, as is evidenced by the fact that he has been charged in connection with the roadside shooting. Now, if you don't remember the roadside, roadside shooting incident, this was when the uh, shit was hitting the fan for Alex. 
and he paid Cousin Eddie to shoot him in the head so that his son Buster could collect his life insurance policy. That's right. One more alleged insurance scam out of Alex. What a way to go. Now, Eddie wasn't able to successfully shoot him in the head. I don't know why. Nobody does. Maybe he couldn't bear to shoot his friend. Maybe he has poor eyesight. Maybe he's not good at using a gun. Maybe he was high on meth because associated with those charges are also possession of methamphetamine charges. Although it could also have been marijuana, which he was also charged for. Whatever the case was, he didn't shoot Alex. But he's now facing far more serious charges because he's charged with helping Alex launder more than $2 million over the course of eight years by cashing more than 400 checks for him. And of course, this is money that Alex is alleged to have stolen from his clients and from his law partners. Of course, people who trusted him with their money, as you do with any lawyer. Now, this is really serious for Cousin Eddie because he's 62 years old, and the maximum sentence for this stuff that he's just been charged with is 122 years. Now, if I'm Cousin Eddie, you might as well call me Nastia Lukin. You might as well call me Simone Biles, because I would be flipping so fast and so much that you wouldn't even know what to do with me. I mean, you might as well look under that chef's hat, because they're going to call me Ratatouille. I would be ratting on everybody. And this probably has some powerful individuals in the state of South Carolina scared. Because as our executive editor, Liz Farrell, who reported on this story, wrote, there are allegations, there's talk, that there are more powerful people tied up with opiate use than just Alex Murdoch. And if I'm Eddie, I'm going to try to name as many of those names as I can to avoid spending the rest of my life in prison. Now, is this allegation true? Are these just rumors? I don't know. I do know that we here at Fitz News have been telling you for months that drug charges were coming, for close to half a year at this point. So you can count on us to give you some foresight into what might happen in this case. And I can tell you that this case is, there's a lot more justice to be brought, let's say it that way. I think probably the most interesting place that we will hopefully see justice brought is in double homicide because it's now been more than a year without charges. And if you're interested in some predictions as to what might happen there, you can, of course, go to fitznews.com and look at our Murdoch coverage specifically related to double homicide. We've made some predictions that we'll see if they come true in the coming weeks and months. That's all for the Murdoch coverage for this week. But know that we will be bringing you more in the coming weeks. And of course, thank you so much for watching the Fitz News Week in Review. I'm Dylan Nolan. I've stepped in here over the last two weeks because Will Folks has been out of town on vacation. But I'm always behind the camera. I'm always the one who edits the show. I'm the one who uploads the show. I read all the comments. You can always reach me at dylan at fitznews.com. We're looking to put together the best show that we can so that you guys can have an enjoyable product to consume news that's relevant to you in the state of South Carolina with some national coverage as well. We want to give you the news. We want to give you our opinions on the news and hopefully inspire you to think a little bit. But if you think that we can do that better, please, Dylan at Fitznews.com, shoot me an email because I will read it. I will take it into consideration. And... Um, we're going to try to continually improve our product. 
So, of course, I know that Will looks forward to being back in the chair next week. I look forward to being behind the camera next week. And hopefully y'all are looking forward to watching the episode. But thank you for sticking through it this week. And we'll see you next week.